Another week of action in the books. Sean and Steve have both deserted me, but we have two very able and willing victims to help me out this week in going through the madness that was week 12. Let's get stuck into it. It's the full 10 yards NFL podcast. Hello, everyone. Cecil Martin here. Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation. Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, this is Jerry Judah, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, and you're listening to the 14 yard NFL podcast. Yes, don't fear. My uh, my fellow guests have not been taken by the Omicron variants or anything like that. They just have lives, apparently. Uh, Sean's daughter's birthday is today, of which he uh, which he politely forgot to tell us about until literally last night. And uh, Steve is off watching Newcastle United. I think down to ten men already. Uh, we're recording this at six minutes past eight, and I've already heard that Kieran Clark's been sent off. So uh, you know, I'm sure he's having fun up in Tyneside. <laughs> Um, however, let's get cracking into this. Dave and Liam are with me today. Obvious, uh, obviously veterans to the uh, podcast in uh, one or two episodes this year at the very least. Dave, how are you doing today, sir? Even Josh, even there. I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, glad to be back, ready to talk more chaos. And uh, also delighted that Newcastle and Norwich are playing each other in what is a, almost a Jets-Houston style game. <laughs> hey, that one was slightly entertaining though this one might not be no, um, absolutely. and I, I like that you bring up chaos because i think ever since you came on and you you know you made your impassioned chaos speech <laughs> we've definitely taken that to heart here at this podcast we've uh we've we've ran with it as almost you know one of our one of our tags going forward i think so the there's always been a bit of dave each week Always a bit of Davy Tree. That's a slogan that I'm going to um, try and have a campaign for for the 2022 <laughs> season. But I think the, the league as a whole has run with uh, the chaos theory uh, since uh, yeah, since the beginning almost. It has, it has, and I kind I kind of want it to stop so I can see <laughs> properly win a game for God's sake. Um, moving swiftly on, Liam, how are you, bud? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Uh, my team didn't play this weekend, so I've avoided the chaos. It's the most relaxed weekend I've had so far in the NFL season, so that's good. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that this week. I think that the uh, I think the Browns uh, players are actually looking forward to actually getting their injuries looked at for once as well. So, uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's it's nice to think that a bye is coming up. I didn't think I'd say that in NFL circles. I usually hate bye weeks, but I feel like emotionally I need one for my soul. That's exactly uh, how it... I felt as well. Yeah, <laughs> well, you've been on the upturn recently. You'd probably just want to keep on rolling at this rate. Um, Liam, obviously, you've got the Go For Two podcast, which I had the uh, the pleasure of being with you on yeah. last week, making my picks. Um, I believe that you beat me 8-7 in the end. Yeah, 8-7. Washington got you a point last night in the end, which was good for you. Uh, but yeah, I managed to win another week, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I I was getting worried at one point that you were pulling way too far away. I wanted to at least keep it close for Patrick because obviously I was uh, I was batting for him. So uh, yeah, apologies, Patrick, if you're listening. Um, I, I tried my best, uh, but you've you've got too much of a gap, mate. I'm trying to make risks. I'm trying to swing wild, but 
you know, pictures all over the place. Right, guys, speaking of all over the place, let's get cracking with the Week 12 reviews. Um, a, a f- quite a f- quite an interesting slate this week, actually, and the results reflect that. I think that there are quite a lot of good games and interesting results from them, and even from some of the games of which are you know, ones which you can gloss over. But let's go to one of the the big ones in the NFC to start. Green Bay looking pretty comfortable against the Los Angeles Rams. 36-28 it finished. Dave, what did you you make of this in the end? Are are Green Bay now just going to roll on? I don't think this was so much Green Bay were fantastic as how awful LA were. Um, and I, I don't know if that's just part of my, I, I think I have a deep-seated anti-Green Bay bias. <laughs> that, <laughs> that I feel like it's only come, it's starting to really come out this season. But yeah, just watching the game, I th- thought that the Rams' defence was just horrible, really. And for all the much-vaunted talk of you know having Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald, and then adding Von Miller, I think since Miller's joined, haven't they got 0-3? The uh, yes, I believe yeah, so. Which yeah, is no. a- absolutely bonkers, you think. But even then, offensively, Matt Stafford reverted to, you know, the Detroit Lions pumpkin when as soon as he set foot in Lambeau, um, which is just such a shame as well, because I was really hoping that Stafford would put forward an MVP case down the stretch. But I mean, props to the Green Bay defense as well, because, I mean, it isn't all just LA being bad, but. Green Bay made them look bad as well. And Aaron Rodgers, you know, playing on nine toes, didn't seem overly phased. He was in a bit of pain by the end, but it didn't seem like, you know, Green Bay really broke a sweat in this game to me. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, 28 off 45 for 307 yards. Matthew Stafford actually had a pretty comparable stat line himself, 21 off 38 for 302. But Stafford did throw the pick and there were two fumbles for LA. Yeah. Uh, Liam, what did you make of it? Yeah, so I think a lot of Stafford's yards are in garbage time as well. It was that last yeah, two, does, two, that, that, yeah. that does pad it. I think it was 90-odd yards in the last two drives, which uh, the game's already over at that point. But yeah, I think Stafford's injuries played a part. And, you know, we've heard a lot, haven't we, in the press about his ankle. He's got an elbow. I think his knee's injured as well. But uh, I think a lot of his excuses, because it's one of the worst games I've seen him play, actually, this week. Uh, and last week as well, it wasn't very good. So yeah, I think that was a part, but... Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams still probably the best or second best connection in the NFL. Uh, I think so. Something like 200 yards of Rodgers, 300 yards were all on quick game. So even though he had a backup O line, it was all within uh, half a second getting the ball out to, to a second and a half. So yeah, that's how good he was. And a lot of those passes were to Devontae Adams. So I think that he was the key to, to them winning the game. Yeah, I think that says a lot to their play calling as well. The fact that you've yeah. got those in your pocket and that you can trust that you're team can execute around you because I think that with the O-line of which they've got now, like you say, it's uh, it's definitely not the best and it's caused problems in the past, but uh, if you've got a quarterback and a wide receiver that are on lock with each other, then it's not really that much of an issue if you can get the quick game going. Um, question for you both. Green Bay in the uh, NFC Championship game? Yes. Yeah, I think they're, they're the best team in the NFC for me. It, it, to me, it comes down to seeding, but I think yes, yes. It's all right. We're only after yes-nos here, Dave. 
We're, we're after gotcha journalists. We're, we're, we're looking for we're, we're looking for bold statements where I get you to accidentally put three teams in the NFC Championship game by the end of the podcast. Hundred percent will happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, let's switch conferences to something of which I recently thought was uh, a potential for an AFC Championship game myself. Here, uh, go to Foxborough, of which uh, could well be the uh, the host for the AFC Championship game at this rate. The New England Patriots, and I can't believe I'm reading this scoreline: thirty-six Tennessee Titans, thirteen. Liam, as someone that supports a team that is gunning to be hosting said AFC Championship game themselves. Are New England cause for concern now? Uh, I think they are, just because of the coaching. The coaching's really good. I know you're a big Bill fan yourself. Um, yeah. But this week, uh, if you look at the box scores, what, 200, two 100-yard rushes for the Titans, which you think, okay, the Titans are probably going to do well and, and win the game. But uh, that's just what Bill wanted them to do. He wanted them to rush. He wanted them to have to pass on third down. And then he knew that Tannehill and those receivers couldn't get it done. So for me, it was another uh, masterclass by Bill Belichick. Uh, passing game was good as well for New England. Uh, I do think the run game didn't look great. That's two out of three weeks now that their run game hasn't looked good. But Matt Jones looked good. Uh, yeah, they're a worry, but I think that's defensive and coaching-wise. I'm not sure. I believe their passing offense can be this good for the rest of the season. As our resident rookie watcher, is Matt Jones a lock for rookie of the year at this rate? Yeah, yeah. It always goes to a QB. I know a lot of people like Chase, but uh, I don't think he was ever going to beat Jefferson's totals come mm. the end of the year for me. Uh, and even if he did, they, they still gave it to Herbert last year, who arguably yeah. is not going to be as good as Mac in terms of position. Uh, I do think the seeding matters. So if New England get like one, two, three, four, whatever seed, that looks great for a rookie QB. Like no rookie's done that because uh, like Mahomes didn't even play rookie year. So yeah. yeah, especially when you consider as to just how down on uh, down the Patriots looked at the start of the season. You know, you look at the preseason and you know. I mean, I know from doing the power rankings, I had them in like 20th yeah. start off. And to be honest with you, they didn't really start climbing until probably about week six, week seven. So, you know, it's it's all of a sudden, it's all clicked. And Matt Jones is a massive part of that. They seem very competent on offense. It's not just a defensive push. Even if I think, personally, I think that the defense drives this team because, you know, they're able to take away your best you know, your best routes, etc. They, they impose their will on your offense, but the offense is getting it done just as well, just as well as in any Brady year. Yeah, it's really good on third down, which is key. And for a rookie to be good on third down, that's quite rare. Yeah, just going to bring it back here to the uh, to the passing game, um, of which the Titans had none of here at all. Ryan Tannehill, 11 from 21 attempts, 93 yards, one touchdown and one interception. I mean, you know, you've put, put it this way, as a Browns fan, if Baker Mayfield did that, then he would actually have been murdered in the streets of Cleveland. That is, that, that is uh, how bad that would have been. Um, Dave... Are the Tennessee Titans toast? I don't think they're toast. Um, they're just so banged up that they're going. They're almost like the Saints of the AFC at the moment in terms of how few receivers oh, God, they that's have. A bit, that's a bit harsh on the toast. Yeah. <laughs> there were ten different uh, players targeted uh, on Sunday, um, and it was just uh, the names are just completely a mystery. Who the hell is Cody Hollister? Oh, how do you know he's a fine receiver? 
Well, I mean, two for four and 22 yards, and that's your second best receiver. It's just, it's a worry for Tennessee. I've, I hope that they do get better as in terms of health and then improve uh, from that as well. But when you lose, when you fumble the ball five times and lose three of them against a team as well coached as the Patriots, you're going to be putting yourself you know, firmly behind the eight ball to mix my sporting analogies. And just going back to the Patriots as well, actually, um, we were saying about how rank they looked at the start of the season. I remember watching them lose to the uh, just mentioned Saints back in week three and Mac Jones looked broken. I remember at the end of the game, he just looked utterly crestfallen. And he thought, how's he going to be coping with this mentally? But since then, you know, they've had, you know, the loss to the Bucks and they've lost to the Cowboys as well. But Belichick's done a wonderful job with him. And yeah, I think he is a lock of uh, rookie of the year as well. But uh, if Tennessee get to 11 wins, 12 wins, do we think Mike Rabel coach of the year? No, I'm giving that to Billy B right now. I, supp- I suppose that depends on the playoff seeding as well. If, 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 if the Patriots Billy B end up with can a... get, if Billy B can get Billy top B. two, <laughs> yeah, it's so... uh, I've, 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 I've given him <laughs> so many nicknames. Coach of all time. It's Billy I, B. I, 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 I... I've I've given him so many nicknames over the last year on this podcast and on so many different WhatsApp ones. You know, he's Billy Big Bollocks on uh, one of the uh, WhatsApp groups just because I can't think of a coach that's got more bravado in just being able to, you know, so many coaches go on a shopping spree and do bugger all with it. Bill, give him four weeks and he's been able to make this team gel out of nothing. You know, when they looked so down, it's such a bill move. And I'll take the rookie QB that no one wanted. (laughs) I'll take the rookie QB that, you know, Kieran Patterson, who is on, uh, who has a podcast on this network, you know, he literally cried on draft day in horror. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) He, he, He was horrified. And look at him now. And that, to me, that's all down to Bill and the trust that which he's put in him. And also, I call him Billy B because Belichick kind of ends up being half twisted in my tongue as well. So I try to avoid it as best I can. <laughs> One final point on this game for, uh, on the Patriots. Um, we're talking about how well Belichick's done with, or Billy B has done with uh, his free agent spending. How much is Hunter Henry covering for Johnny Smith, though? In that because just <laughs> yeah, Johnny Smith was vile. <laughs> That's why we say that there was a gelling period. You know, <laughs> you had to have time to mesh. Not every player is going to get integrated quite as easily. Yeah, but no, you're right. But then again, no. That's why. That's why he got two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. One one of them's going to hit. One of them is just now the most expensive blocking tight end in, in the league history. Yeah, basically. And he's even that good at it. Hey, if it gets him a ring, if it gets him a ring, they'll happily cut that check. That's all I'm saying. Right. Going on from uh, master to apprentice here. Well, we say apprentice. He's a bit old to uh, be called that now. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers sneak out of Lucas Oil Stadium with a 38-31 victory. Before I get your views on it, gents, I'm just going to give you the insights that NFL.com gives because, you know, these are sometimes gold. And, you know, th- these are th- these are 
pretty mad. So Leonard Fournette with four touchdowns has now tied Jimmy Giles and Doug Martin for the most touchdowns for a Buccaneers player in a game in team history. Now, when you consider the kind of, you know, the, the pass heavy, spread it across offense, etc. that t- Tom Brady has, that's actually an insane stat to throw up with on a game. I don't think that anyone would be brave enough to actually put that on as a bet, for example, that, you know, a, no. a Bucks player would have four touchdowns in a game. Um, Tom Brady led his third career game-winning drive at the Colts, the most by any opposing QB at Indianapolis, at Indianapolis in NFL history. Ouch, that hurts. That's got to hurt. Um, and then that's the first time that the Bucks have had four rushing touchdowns in a game for the first time since week nine in 2012. So just an absolute masterclass in terms of the rushing game. But Indianapolis were in it, Dave, weren't they? In it? I mean, I, I thought <laughs> that they were a lock to win that game at half. I know. Yeah. Points up and um, I started having dreams of the Saints getting back into the NFC South race. And then that evaporated very quickly. Um, it's still there. It's still there. The Titans are only a couple of games off. It's a dream. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's a shame for the Colts because I remember the last time I was on here and we, I think the Titans had just swept the Colts. So they had the divisional tiebreaker. And we went, the AFC South is, it's done. And I think if the Colts had managed to sneak out a win here, it would have been game on in the best way. But now, I've, yeah. It, but I, can I, the I Titans keep that, up? Can the well, Titans keep up? You, you're the, saying the two, they're, they're two and a half games ahead of the Colts. You're saying schedule's the easy as well. Schedule's no, easy, but is it easy when you've got no one to put on the field? Well, um, AJ's back in the after the bye, so. And the Colts have the Patriots and the Cardinals. Yeah, uh, they're not getting past old Billy B. um, (laughs) I'm going to have that against me forever, aren't I? (laughs) Yeah, oh yeah, yes. But um, I think that what the Bucks did was almost uh, Belichick esque to really go full circle on it because they took away Jonathan Taylor. I mean, you you can't run on the Bucks anyway, but you would have thought that Jonathan Taylor might have been able to run on the Bucks if anyone was going to at the moment, and he didn't do anything until. Uh, I think it was late into the second half when the um, Colts tied the game, thirty-one yeah. all. That was basically all Taylor, and it, it was fantastic. But how good would it have been with that kickoff return? Had that been housed uh, when it was thirty-eight, thirty-one with seconds left? Because that got me on my feet. Yeah, I've just so- got over from an, an eight-hour drive in the snow, and I thought, "Oh, this is going to be great." <laughs> but you know, the, the Sith Lord Tom Brady still triumphed and yeah like i say it, it was good for him that it proved that the bucks can win without him that he doesn't need to throw for 300 yards every game and put up crazy numbers to godwin or put up crazy numbers to mike evans i mean those two combined had 40 yards receiving yeah. it was nothing but gronk all the way and big lenny and big lenny but uh, you know credit to the bucks um you know they just keep on rolling good for them yeah. Speaking of the Bucks, Liam, you know, where, where do you see them in the in the NFC race at the moment? Obviously, there's quite a, with the NFC, there seems to be almost a bubble at the top where there's a few churning around in the three to four loss column, you know, and they're looking at the top of that. Where, where do you see the Bucks in amongst all of that? 
Yeah, so I think Packers and Bucks are just 1A, 1B, in whatever order you prefer them in for me. Uh, I think the Bucks have got a slightly easier schedule, so maybe favoured for the one seed. I still think the Packers might get it, but yeah, I think those two are the best two teams in the NFC for me. Uh, and it proved it this week because their pass defence has just been decimated of injuries. They lost Jamel Dean again this week. It's the third time he's left the game uh, this season. They still haven't got bunting. Uh, and I think um, both their linebackers went off for two consecutive drives as well in this game. So they're decimated at the back, but they're still managing to, to come out and win games. Uh, and like Dave said, I think it was seven receptions for 40 yards for Godwin and Evans. So they're completely doing it on the run game. Uh, and Brady knows who his best targets are, which is Antonio Brown and Gronk. So when Brown's back, I think the offense will look even better than it does now. Yeah, absolutely. But no love for the Cardinals? Uh, anyone who listens to, to my podcast, which they probably don't who listen to this, I hate Cliff Kingsbury, so I'm never gonna be <laughs> I'm never gonna be a pro Cliff guy. Um but they're probably the third team. I had the Rams as the third team in the NFC the whole time, but I think it's hard to look past the Cardinals now, isn't it? I, I think I think it's hard to praise the Rams too much now. I know they'll be falling yeah, in my rankings tomorrow just because there's there's something in that locker room at the moment that's that that's just haunting them, I think. Yeah. His name's not count. OBJ, but it might be. I mean... <laughs> Don't start the OBJ stuff. <laughs> I mean, I find it very coincidental. You know, they're all in, and then he comes in there and, you know... Blame Von Miller. That's what I've been doing as a Chiefs fan for many years. But uh, I had a quick note on um, the Colts here. I think Frank Reich uh, has done a great job this year. Again, actually, three years in a row now. Um, but he's been getting a lot of stick for this lack of run game. Uh, they passed something like 16 times in a row, didn't they, in this game? Uh, and I've gone back and watched the 22, and the amount of light boxes they had, uh, where they had to, sorry, heavy boxes, where they had to throw the ball was was uh, was remarkable. A lot of people saying, oh, they need to use Taylor, but the Bucks were literally loading it up. They had nine men in the yeah. box on like 70% of their snaps. So you have to, you literally have to throw the ball. That's what any analytics department will tell you. And yeah. they nearly won the game uh, with the receivers that they've got. So I think they did a good job, but they're just not as good as the Bucks, unfortunately. Yeah, that 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 rendition there of uh, nine in the box reminds me of a Sunday night game that will remain nameless for until a little while later in the <laughs> podcast. That gave me some uh, some terrible nightmares. But uh, let's uh, let's move on, move on with a bit more gusto for a little bit. We're just going to flash through some of the games of which didn't didn't light up a room, but um, by the same point they were big games for for some if not the general league um so going through thanksgiving first of all uh chicago beat the detroit lions 16 14 in the snooze bowl of <laughs> turkey day um i did say to liam on his podcast the uh, week prior I, in fact i convinced him to take the lions um and yeah, the did. points uh and i didn't take it myself after convincing him to i thought i was pulling <laughs> off the old double bluff i triple bluffed myself um that the lions were going to do just enough to keep it interesting and they did but they ultimately proved that they are a terrible franchise and lost 16 14 uh, the Buffalo Bills absolutely crushed Dave Sunday night. No, sorry, Thursday night, <laughs> should I say. Uh, still on Turkey Day with a 31-6 cruising. Um, so Buffalo back there. Miami beating the Carolina Panthers 33-10. to Cam Newton just did not get going at all. Um, speaking of not getting going at all, we can say that about Trevor Lawrence again as uh, the Atlanta Falcons got back to winning ways 
I think they're somehow at 500 again, um, beating the Jacksonville Jaguars 21-14. What is going on? The Falcons are around 500 again. That should not be happening. Can't count that... out Matty Ice ever. Matty no, Ice. no, you can't. <laughs> but I, I assume it's their schedule that has allowed them to get to this because there is yeah. no way on God's given earth that that is a 500 ball team. They are uh, a disgrace, um, the Falcons. Really and I, I am so annoyed that they beat us. <laughs> that's right you're part of the problem not the solution what is oh, going I, on? I know <laughs> uh, speaking of problems not solutions the new york jets have somehow put themselves even further out of number one pick territory by beating the houston texans in what was the worst game on paper and ended up being actually quite a watchable affair. Uh, 21-14 against the Texans. They actually never looked like losing the game, the Jets. They seemed relatively in control, of which, considering the Texans' ability to pull out the odd one and Tyrod Taylor, you know, always covering the spread, as Liam's phrase is. They definitely didn't do that this time, much to my chagrin. (laughs) Uh, The Philadelphia Eagles did not provide Steve with any joy, losing to their longstanding rivals, the New York Jets, 13-7. to Jalen Hurts just did not seem in it. Neither did any of his teammates. The Giants' defense actually looked like they were at their best on Sunday um, their offense looked like they could get points not a lot of points but points um, and then that leads us into Monday night football where the Seattle Seahawks let Russ cook yet again and they realized that they left their stove back in Seattle because the Washington football team with Taylor Heineke took on Russell Wilson and came out victorious 17-15. Gents, from those, if you've got any takeaways, please vent them to the room. Safe space. <laughs> um, I... What was my takeaway? Jalen Rager, that's another disgrace. That's my takeaway. Uh, what's he do? You know, you got a chance to win the game, you let the ball hit you with the face mask. <laughs> In the end zone, they took this guy ahead of Justin Jefferson. Twice as well. He dropped it twice. Yeah, on the same yeah drive. two absolute howlers. Um, yeah, I, I thought yeah. that after the Thursday night uh, Raiders Cowboys game, that this was prime Eagles territory to do a stupid thing and get back in the division race. And I'm kind of glad that they lost because at least we can just forget about that narrative again. Has anyone checked on Steve and his opinion of Jalen Rager? Steve is alive. Um, I know that much. As is he actually to... in Newcastle or is he left playing to Philly at the moment? <laughs> <laughs> He's in the country. That is what I can tell you. Okay. Um, as to his stance on the game, I couldn't tell you that. <laughs> I think that he has kept a an astute silence. He's decided to focus on other stats, according to <laughs> the WhatsApp group. <laughs> um, did anyone see Jalen Hurts' reaction, though, after that? that hit on the face mask i mean that that that's a man that is incredibly frustrated and just looking like he did anything that he could because he was nullified in that game but he won it he he won the game with that throw and it was taken away from him yeah he did he looked very frustrated i will add though that he threw three interceptions and had nine nine turn turnover worthy plays and nine times he should have been intercepted if you count that as a stat 
so I don't think he can moan too much with how bad he was because he was that's the worst game I've seen him play, probably including college, which was not great. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, that 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 is a fair shout. You just think that when you when you're driving down the field with an emotional sport like the NFL is as well. Like I, I can imagine that after a game, players are just drained of all emotion as well as yeah. physicality, and you watch a perfect throw just hit a guy in the face mask in the end zone with <laughs> seconds expiring. Oh, just must be so gutting. Watching that game certainly drained me. I was taking a nap for Sunday. I was taking a nap for Sunday night football. I had uh, I had the pleasure of Liam taking me through the uh, taking me through the scores as I woke up. <laughs> I had another uh, quick observation about a different quarterback that struggled. Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately, the fairy tale is dead already. What was he? Five for twenty-one. That's in yeah. the bottom five of all time, literally all time. Think about all the QBs time. we've watched for completion percentage. Like, bottom five ever, and we've watched, well, you've watched Trevor Simeon, unfortunately. We've watched <laughs> many of the QBs just as bad, and that, that, that was how bad he was. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, that experiment's over, and good wins for the Dolphins, who needed it, because uh, they can go 7-7. They really seven. did. Yeah, I tell you what, the Dolphins are, you know, they're, they're picking up Summit at the moment. I yeah, mean, Giant, Giants and Jets next as well. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, they could, be seven, they could be seven and seven. You never know. And Tua, uh, maybe people like Tua again after that. We'll see. No, no, no. They, they won't like Tua. The, the, <laughs> you're asking too much of that franchise to actually like Tua. I don't think that's going to. Uh, I don't think that's going to work. Um, a little observation for me uh, is fair play to the Jets. You know. Yeah. I I honestly did not think that they they'd be able to pull that out. They've got good players but it seems like they never really have the game plan or the execution to make it work and they actually look really poised against the Texans so you know credit where it's due I thought that was good and also Buffalo are back again Buffalo seems to either blow out teams or get blown out by teams there is no in between and we're back when we're back into Buffalo blowing out teams again I will say on the uh, Buffalo Saints game um it I don't think you can take anything from that game for either team because the Saints were yeah, but both missing, missing Ramchick and Tyrell Armstead, uh, and Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, and it's Trevor Simeon throwing to yeah. you know a bunch of who's. I mean, there was a guy who, um, Adam Prentice, who I've never heard of before, but his name literally appeared on my phone as A Prentice. <laughs> That's how desperate it's got that we're throwing to an apprentice, uh, and you know, it's. There's only so much the Saints defense can do. Saints um, defense was good first half, really. It, exactly, yeah. I mean, it was ten nothing at the half, I think. But yeah. eventually, that much like you know the last three or four weeks, they've run out of steam, um, and then we put up some garbage time yardage. But even then, we were still outgained nearly two. Uh, Buffalo nearly outgained us double the amount of total yards, double the amount of first downs. Yeah, I never Roll thought I'd say this. Yeah, I never thought I'd say this, but Taysom Hill starting next week is going to be good. And I never thought I'd say that. Well, yeah, I mean, the Saints might get quite lucky with the yeah you know, the whole Cowboys COVID situation as well. But we'll yeah. talk about that. At I was going to say time. we're going to talk yeah. on that Thursday, lads. Let's uh, mm. let's save something for that part. Otherwise, it's going to be ten minutes long. Um, one last yes or no question before we come back to uh, a few of the uh, a few games to talk on in a bit more depth. I'm going to give you the Detroit Lions schedule. I want a quick yes, no. <laughs> yes. I want a yes, no, and the team, if they do, 
do the Detroit Lions win a game this season? They've come close about five times. Probably in the last six games, they've come close five times and they can't seem to do it. I'm going to read off the schedule. Do they win a game? And if so, against whom? Here we go. So they are at home to the Vikings. They are away to the Broncos. They are at home to the Cardinals. They're away to the Falcons. They're away to the Seahawks. And then they are home to the Packers. Do they win a game? Dave? Yes. <laughs> oh, Liam says yes. Oh, against who? Yeah. yeah. Um, you go first, Liam. Packers, because they'll be resting yeah. player, players, <laughs> yes. because they've already got the one seat. That's my guess. Mine, uh, well, it's two, it's two options. One is my great concern because my wife's a Broncos fan. They're just getting back in the playoff hunt, and it would be so Denver just to blow it. Uh, it against would, the it would be Denver to do that. Yeah, or the chaos, uh, the chaos bit. The Packers need to win to get the one seed. <laughs> <laughs> Detroit beat them in week 18. That would be absolutely amazing. But no, I do think they win, and I think it will be against uh, the Seahawks. I reckon they tie to the Falcons, and that is as much as they'll do. There'll be a two that, tie. 15-0 <laughs> yeah. and 2, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> just, just to put the cherry on top of this uh, very, very awkward year so let's get back to a bit more conversation on these games we're going to go to uh the the second of the thanksgiving games the las vegas raiders getting the w in overtime against the dallas cowboys 36 33 liam you were watching it with me yeah um as i was Desperate for the Cowboys to actually go and do this because I don't want the Raiders in around the wild card chase. You don't want the Raiders knocking on your door, even though it's a relatively faint knock at the moment. What did you make of this? Is this are, are the Raiders now back in it after a terrible showing against Cincinnati, or is it just the case that Dallas aren't the great shakes that we thought they were at the start of the season? So it's a good win. It is still a good win. Uh, are they in the mix? Uh, their schedule was okay, so they can probably compete, I think, for that seven seed in the AFC. But I think there's like six teams that would like to think they can compete for the seven seed in the AFC. Oh, God, think, think seven or eight. Pretty much yeah. anyone that isn't New York or uh, <laughs> or Houston at this point. Yeah, so uh, they can, they can, yes, uh, challenge. I wouldn't put them above many other teams because I still think their defense is pretty poor. The pass rush has kind of calmed down a bit now after that hot start to the season. But yeah, I think a lot of it is Dallas. Uh, the defense is nowhere near as good, I think, as everyone uh, said they were. Uh, Diggs was getting a lot of interceptions, but as we know, interceptions are uh, a very random stat. If you look at like Jalen Ramsey's career, he's talking like nine in one season, then two in the next. So it's very back and forth. It's a lot of luck in, in interceptions. So uh, without their pass rush, I think their defense isn't as good. Until the guys get back from IR, I just think their defense is, is just not good enough to, to compete with some teams. So it was a good win. Um, but yeah, I was still surprised because the Raiders were throwing to like uh, Moreau and Josh Jacobs six times at the backfield to try and win this game. So uh, yeah, it was a, a big win, but uh, Dallas defense was probably the culprit, I think. Dave, I have a very different question for you. And it's um, not to do with either team as such as it was about the team that actually won on Thursday night, <laughs> which is NFL officiating. Oh, God. 28 penalties accepted, 28 accepted penalties for well over 200 yards. 
I mean, that would have been um, one of the best passing lines in um, in the league if you'd done that. Twenty eight completions, two hundred yards. Um, <laughs> that, it was just it was bizarre, and it it got very annoying very quickly. But I mean, I, I can't remember every single penalty. You know, verbatim. most of them were incredibly tiki tacky pi. They were tiki tacky holdings. Um, there was um, quite a few of them. I think were like false starts and that, which you accept because yeah. you know those shouldn't be happening. But the pass interferences, for example, you know some of them were you know the lightest of touches, of I which think that really was... shouldn't have been. With PI, it does get incredibly annoying because it's a spot of the ball foul. And you could argue that at that point, you know, where the QBs just chucking it up and thinking we're going to get a you know, 30, 40 yard gain here, no problem. But withholding calls, I that's not withholding, as all one word, two separate words, withholding calls. With, with holding, uh, holding. With, when, it, when it comes to holding calls, uh, I find that, in my opinion, yes, they can be quite ticky tacky, but if that's the way the refs are going to call the game, you've just got to wise up to it as a, a as a lineman. And oh, you do, it, but when it starts, I mean, we're talking twenty eight penalties in a game. I mean, at some point, the, the, the refs have to just let them play football. True, but also at the same time, I, th- yeah, it it was fun to hear the crowd getting so annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> just every time a, a yellow flag came down, was, oh. Just this groan of annoyance coming from uh, the Dallas and uh, Vegas fans there. But, yeah, I mean, the the officials didn't come themselves in glory uh, at all. And it kind of overshadowed the fact that, yeah, we had some really fun stat lines. We had four wideouts with 100-yard reception, uh, receiving yards. Uh, Michael Gallup, Cedric Wilson, Hunter Renfro and Deshaun Jackson. Obviously, Deshaun Jackson did it in three receptions. (laughs) Because that's what Deshaun Jackson does, but it, it was kind of fun. I thought, you know, DSJ it was a great game with that fifty-six really yard bomb, and yeah, yeah. And, and at the end of the day, Dallas lost. It was great. No, it was terrible <laughs> for that reason. <laughs> the raid, the Raiders always do this. Whenever it gets down to push comes to shove time, they eke out these awkward wins of which you think they should never do, and yet they're constantly in it. Um, Derek Carr answered a lot of questions for me. Um, in uh, in this game because he he had that interception streak for a while i think it was five games with an interception mm. neither team had a turnover it was just pure offense in bad, in that bad defense bad yeah. defense yes <laughs> um both teams are very susceptible to that yeah. um both um i mean they the stat lines of the two quarterbacks are actually incredibly similar Derek carr 24 39 for 373 in a td prescott 32 from 47 375 and two touchdowns you know very pass heavy but in a on a thanksgiving day where we were incredibly disappointed by the slate you know, and that being the prime UK spot, being the 9.25, I thought that was an incredibly enjoyable Thursday night and put a little bit of, uh, put, a, put a bit of pep in my step for Friday. Um, going back to Sunday, um, a little NFC number here. The Minnesota Vikings, my Minnesota Vikings, as <laughs> Liam likes to say, um, 26, San Francisco 34. Are the 49ers back, Dave? They've come um, from the ashes. Yeah, and Why can't they stay down? <laughs> I know. Uh, why can't they just do what Seattle do and just, right, that's it. Season's done. Let's just tear it all down. Because I was 
uh, I'd bang the drum and I wrote an article uh, sort of regarding this for fancy that basically Trey Lance was going to be amazing in the second half of the season because there's no way Garoppolo is going to see December. I don't think he'd even see Thanksgiving. And yet here he is being the, the ultimate game manager, I suppose, where his stat line was, what, Come back 17, player in the year. don't you dare, so, <laughs> no 26, 230 yards, a touchdown and an interception. But, Tell me someone yeah, who's more worthy. It, it's, <laughs> uh, I, you know, for a little bit, I thought Cam Newton was going to get But, you know, it's the vintage Kyle Shanahan. We're just going to run the hell out of the ball. Uh, yeah, the 49ers are now six and five, and the dance, uh, they're in the sixth seed at the moment. They're dancing right around that wildcard spot uh, and, you know, making it their own because from seven to 12 are all five win teams. They're the only six win team in the NFC. And I haven't, been nice. I can't recall that. Yeah, right. Um, I can't remember what the schedule is. Um, oh, I've just brought it up here. I mean, they've got the Texans, the Falcons, the Seahawks down the stretch. Oh, God, they're a lock. Um, you know, and Bengals, Titans and Rams are all winnable games. So it really concerns me that they're going to get in the playoffs because I thought we were done with the 49ers this season. One concern, though, is uh, Debo Samuel looks like he's going to possibly miss this weekend. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's not good for the old fantasy yeah, team. That. Uh, just also, you know, that takes away a huge part of their offense as well. It does. It definitely does. Now, Liam, me and you talked quite fondly about the Vikings last week, and we uh, we, we both actually went with the Vikings. Um, and you said that every time you pick the Vikings, they do the opposite thing. My <laughs> missus says the exact same, and she picked the Vikings this week, only to lose on her pick as well. My question to you, though, is are the Vikings now, you know, was that the game that sort of broke their back? Are they able to actually come back from this or you know is the dream over for this year uh no the dream's not over yet because i think uh, the nfc is so much worse in the bottom to middle section than the afc uh they've still got a chance so yeah i think they've still got a chance their next two games i'm trying to get the schedule up the next two games are relatively easy uh i can't remember they have, they have the lions this week and then uh, oh steelers yeah, Steelers. So they should win both of those games. Oh, so that's two losses. Because we all know that we're going to pick the Vikings for both of them. Yeah, they're going to play the Bears twice. I'll pick them against the spread as well. So yeah, their schedule uh, is pretty good. So yeah, for me, I think they're a playoff team. I had them as a seven seed a few weeks ago on our podcast when we did it. Uh, I haven't changed my opinion on that. Uh, I thought maybe they'd be good enough to steal the six seed. I didn't see them losing this game, to be honest. But uh, yeah, Kirk Cousins had two really bad drives. Um, and then a non-PI call, unfortunately, for... Justin Jefferson and the, on the last drive kind of really did cost them. So, yeah, I don't think they're done, but this was probably one of their worst losses of the season. Yeah, definitely. But the 49ers walk on. I'm trying desperately to dance around this game. I don't want to answer it. The guys know exactly which one it is. <laughs> the Cleveland Browns walked into Baltimore. They came, they saw, they conquered Lamar Jackson, but they couldn't conquer the defensive front of the Baltimore Ravens. Sunday night football ended 16-10 to the Ravens in very typical Ravens-Browns fashion. Uh, I am going to allow you both to speak before I uh, before <laughs> I mention anything about this game. Liam, as someone that texts me the morning after going, that was terrible. 
<laughs> and pretty much just left it at that to which my response which i decided to send you five hours later was <laughs> yeah it was terrible <laughs> would you like to expand a little bit more yeah so my notes also has terrible in capital letters written <laughs> cool. the, uh, the first line start, start um, strong. but yeah both offenses were just were just terrible i believe there was what lamar threw three interceptions in a six pass span yeah. Uh, in the second, I can't remember if it was second or it was third second quarter. quarter, towards the yeah. end of the second quarter. Yeah. Um, and he's the good QB of the two, and he's doing that. So, <laughs> yes, he is. We, we, we can't have a Baker Lamar debate because we'll be here for two hours, but he is, he is the good one. Uh, but yeah, both offenses were bad. Um, Conklin injury is actually really sad as well for, for the it Browns. It really is. Uh, he's now out for the rest of the season with a tear to his patella. Yeah, he had an he had an ankle injury, I think, which is why he went to go off. And then as he limped off, he actually tore his tendon, which is exactly yes. the same as what I did playing basketball. I oh, literally God. walked yeah, I walked off with an elbow injury and tore my patella tendon. So I've done the exact same thing. Whoa. Uh, so yeah, that was bad because people don't realise unless you watch the Browns enough how good he is. He is incredible in the run game. So they're gonna he miss really him. is. Um, but both defenses were were actually better than I thought they'd be. Uh, both both defenses were insane. Yeah. I mean, you look at you. I mean, you look at the Brown side, and just getting those interceptions. I mean, you know, they, they were bad throws, and they were bad throws. But you had the pressure off the edge, which was constant at Lamar Jackson. It was going laterally. It was pretty much exactly what I'd hoped for in terms of the scheme. Jer- Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa, who was drafted simply for Lamar Jackson. I'm pretty sure that his jersey said reserved for Lamar Jackson on it when he first came to Cleveland. Did exactly what I hoped that he would when we drafted him, of which was just spy him all night and or Mark Andrews. Um the Baltimore Ravens did exactly what you should do against the Browns when their O-line is damaged, of which is stack the box. Yeah. Stack the box and limit Nick Chubb. And it worked. My God, it worked. And Kevin Stefanski can't get the Browns receivers open for love nor money at the moment. I mean, say what you want about Baker. He pulled off some good passes, I thought, down you know, at times. And then he couldn't seem to find anybody half the time. You're a Baker apologist, though. We have to add that. <laughs> I am a Baker apologist, but I'm also a realist in that I've watched the All-22, and if you would like to show me where the open receivers are for these, uh, for, for these plays, then please let me know. The fumble that he had was almost, you know, inexcusable. Like, I yeah. can understand being panicked by four guys around you in the space of one and a half seconds, but just <laughs> fall to the floor. Yeah, go down, yeah. yeah. Do a Russell Wilson, we just collapse and just hold Do a ball. Russell Wilson, or, <laughs> or do an Aaron Rodgers, which is just throw it into row double Z laterally. Yeah. Um, you know, but there, there is an issue. The, the, the offense is broken, I think. I think both offenses are broken. You know, with with the Ravens, it's throw it to Mark Andrews. That's the only reason why they won this game because they found Mark Andrews twice. That was a good touchdown uh, reception he had where Lamar. Oh, it was insane! I mean, yeah. And in fact, that brings me on to my question for Dave. Um, In this world of chaos, sometimes, (laughs) sometimes you uh, look for people to just do things consistently with miles garrett that is to hate opposing quarterbacks and show that hatred with every fiber of their being when they're on the field how do you feel about rivals like these are divisional rivals shaking hands after scoring a touchdown (laughs) 
of which has sent your team behind in what is arguably the biggest game of your season. Where would you rate that on the, you know, on the deserved anger scale? I feel like you're projecting feelings onto me here. Actually, no, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. I was very much like, fair play, Miles, you know, game recognised game, because Miles was coming for him. If, if Lamar hadn't thrown I, that, it was, it was happening. I would rather Miles Garrett did that than do what he did to Mason Rudolph. <laughs> uh, I feel like that's the. I have my the, Pittsburgh started its shirt here somewhere that I can drag yeah, out. It's started. Um, you know, as a fan, you don't like to see it. However, they say game recognized game. Um, yeah. Just go back to uh, your debate over who had the better game. You know, was it Baker Mayfield or Lamar Jackson? Surely the best quarterback on the field is, <laughs> although he didn't show it uh, today, was Jarvis Landry. <laughs> don't. That was the worst play call. And this is why Kevin Stefanski at the moment is really, really riling me. Because when you when you need points, you know, this was, I think it was the third interception at this point, of which we'd only gotten three points from the two prior. You know, you need points going into the half. Why, after a 40-yard pass by Baker, do you then get cute when you have the Ravens stacking the box and going after your playmakers? Why why put Landry in that spot? And then why does Landry then, knowing he's got these guys around him, decide, I'm going to step up in the pocket? Because he's the best QB on the field. That's why. (laughs) (laughs) Lord, give me strength. (laughs) If there's one bit of solace you can take from this game, though, is that um, Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb had the same average yards per carry. (laughs) Uh, Which, uh, you know, you'd think would be a really good thing. Oh, wait. They both averaged two yards per carry. Oh, God. Right, you know what? We're moving on to Denver. We're on to Denver. (laughs) We're on to Denver. (laughs) So... Um, in one of the lighter shocks of the week, I'm going to put this down as some people are more on Denver than others. See, Dave, um, the Denver Broncos beat the Chargers 28-13 on Sunday. Dave, as our resident Broncos apologist, <laughs> um, what the damn hell happened here? This is exactly the game. Uh, that I imagined the Broncos' defence would be able to play at the start of the season. And this is exactly why I'm I'm a Denver apologist. It's because the defence was brilliant. Who needs Von Miller? Forget him. You've got Teddy Bridgewater running running in for a score. You've got Drew Locke only throwing seven passes, but still managed to throw a pick at the same time. Because it's (laughs) Drew bloody Locke. But they've been so decimated with injury, Denver, uh, on both sides of the ball. But they've got Pat Satan really starting to come to the fore now. He looks like a brilliant selection. Uh, One of the better-named rookies in the uh, league this year, Baron Browning, Mm -hmm. uh, who I instantly picture having a monocle, but I've checked and he (laughs) he doesn't, which was was quite upsetting. But, yeah, this is exactly what you want from Denver. And, you know, damn it all, they're, they're not out of the playoff race, which is... Crazy, but uh, you've got. A, uh, I'm looking at the AFC playoff race here, and really, it's it's someone from the West, Chargers, Raiders, or Denver, or the Colts, and maybe Cleveland. Yeah. Well, well, Bengals or you know, at this point. Uh, oh, that's I what I mean. Like, I, Bengals I reckon, and Bills, I I'm it, yeah. Moving those guys in there. I just mean the seven seed. 
Uh, right. Oh, so okay. Yeah. I was, I was going to uh, say, please, please oh, don't, uh, yeah. please don't lug Cleveland <laughs> I'm, I'm, in alone. We're going to be really no. lucky to be but, um, in there at all. Then all of a sudden, that you know, this weekend they've been flexed into a prime time spot and they're playing for the division lead against the Chiefs, which is which, insane when you say it out insane, loud. Which is absolutely ridiculous that the AFC West, the bottom place team, is six and five. It's kind of what I envisioned at the start of the season, just not like this. Not with the, you know, Denver getting the doors blown off by Philadelphia, but yeah. then also blowing the doors off Dallas, but then also stopping Justin Herbert, who's really good, but the Chargers play calling is... Yeah. But, Den- yeah. Denver seemed to be the perfect hot and cold team. You know, this, oh, this yeah. is a Denver team that lost to the Browns reserves only about four weeks ago. Got, they got embarrassed by uh, Cleveland in that game. Absolutely embarrassed. And yet, here we are, they've got four divisional games left. I know two against Kansas City, but they've got Detroit uh, and also the Bengals. So, you know, uh, Denver could be anything at this point. They could finish six and 11. They could lose out or they, they could win another three or four games. Dave, you see now what you've done is, is that you've put yourself in the perfect position for me to put you on the spot there. Yeah. What's their record at the end of the year? So they're six and five at the moment. I've got to say nine and eight. Oh, okay. Not bad. Very Not... Denver record, that is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Just distinctly mediocre. Yeah, there's, uh, there are no peaks and troughs there quite like their landscape. Mm. Um, Liam, <laughs> speaking of teams that have gone hot and cold, are the charges broken? Uh, well, the offense is broken because they have an offensive coordinator who can't call a game basically uh the the scheme they have is terrible uh, the amount of in routes they have and the amount of short game and what they do is they have quick game and they have a lot of quick game to the left hand side because keenan allen's very good at catch on the left hand side but they've got an all pro level left tackle who doesn't need you to play quick game on his side he can hold up against anyone for, for as long as you want him to so yeah the the offense is broken because of the coordinator the defense has never been good uh the, the, they can't play the scheme they want to play just because Brandon Staley has a very developed scheme and they just don't have the the guys in the secondary, uh, apart from Derwin James, to play it. Um, but the offense is the main issue. I would say Herbert had a bad game this week. I think the rest of the season, a lot of it is on the OC, but he wasn't good. He, he had three or four throws that just sailed over people's head. Uh, yeah. And the interception was terrible to Eckler, where he could have just hit him straight in the hands and he, he threw it behind him. So for me, they're not broken, but I think the offense is definitely broken just because of the OC. And I mean, obviously, you're in that division, so you you, you have quite a vested interest in uh, yeah. in how this game went down. Um, first of all, are you happier that Denver won rather than the Chargers? And then after that, do you see either of these teams being a real challenge to the Chiefs down the wire? Uh, so I'm happier they won, yeah, because um, if the Chargers win, they'd have been first in the division and the Chargers would have beaten the Chiefs, whereas the Chiefs obviously haven't played Denver yet, so they can get 2-0 two, two and over those. So in terms of the Chiefs, yeah, I'm happier that the, the Broncos won the game. It's better for us. Uh, for the rest of the season, uh, I'm not worried about Denver. No, I just you can't worry. If Teddy's a quarterback, you're not, there's no worry for me. Um, could they be a seventh seed? Maybe, because the defense is really good. They've got the best secondary in the NFL, for sure. Yeah, uh, Oh, sorry, yeah, no, you go I was just going to say, um, also, the Denver Broncos aren't going to come up against a team that cannot defend the run like the Chargers every week. Yeah. Because mm. you've got to force Denver to throw it. 
Yeah. Because if, if they don't have to throw it, they're not going to, they're going to use Javante Williams, who, again, another awesome rookie, and Melvin Gordon. Yeah. And, yeah, here's, some, and here's something to, um, to show you is just how little Vegas are worried at the moment. Kansas City are favoured by 10 points in the uh, game against Denver. <laughs> that's uh, that, that's quite the uh, that's quite the mark considering that this is for the AFC West lead, but that just goes to show you the disparity in the talent pools there. I do think um, the Chargers though, going back to them quickly, I do think they could still be a contender for the for the division just because if you look at their schedule, there's still a couple of games they can win. Uh, they always play well against the Raiders. Justin Herbert's always good against the Raiders. So I do think they can still uh, cause problems and they have a they've already beaten the Chiefs, so the Chiefs have to go into LA and win. That's just the, the way it is. So. No, good shout, good shout. Uh, speaking of the uh, Denver secondary, uh, that brings us on quite nicely in a segue to the game balls of the week, of which uh, Sean Tyler over at Full 10 Yards Towers pulls out every week. There's a few here, though, chaps, that usually we just sort of go in silent agreement on these. I think there are a few this week of which uh, kind of com- um, c- kind of uh, cause query. So to give you as to what he has put out this week, the de- defensive player of the week is uh, Patrick Satan of the Denver Broncos for his performance against the Chargers. Uh, Leonard Fournette being the offensive player of the week, I think that's probably justified considering the uh, lyrical I waxed about him earlier. Coach of the week, he's given to Zach Taylor. The uh, play of the week went to Tony Pollard of the Dallas Cowboys. And Frank Reich is the gaff of the week, of which was for not using Jonathan Taylor enough, of which I will, you know... I'll cede to Liam on that last one because he he pulled out the perfect reason as to why that's not exactly gaff of the week. Yeah, I don't agree necessarily with that. You could have run him a couple more times, maybe on second down and stuff. But yeah, I wouldn't. I don't think they could do much more. That run against Vita Vea is always a, a bad idea, isn't it? So. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, I'm going to throw in a couple of things out there that should be replacing that. This is simply just coming from the uh, Cleveland-Baltimore game, in any case. Get it all play, out. Get it all out. <laughs> play, of the, play of the week, I'm giving to Mark Andrews. This is not the touchdown pass. This is the catch prior to that, where Lamar Jackson's heaved it probably a good 40, 50 yards down the field. It was literally a, a sod it, he's down there somewhere sort of play. And Ronnie Harrison, in true Ronnie Harrison form, just drags Mark Andrews to the ground because he's absolutely nowhere near him. And as he's fallen, Mark Andrews has just stuck out an arm and has cradled that ball in his hand, of which, wow, you know, that, I I looked at that. And first of all, I thought, obviously, you know, I knew it was a PI. (laughs) But secondary, I saw he caught it. I'm like, that is the best catch I think I've seen in in years you know i i can't think of a better catch in fact i rival it to the obj catch i actually think it's more difficult because of the fact he's been sent to the floor and he's still been able to do it i think there's a bit more luck involved though with this one maybe than skill the baltimore ravens of course there's more luck involved <laughs> <laughs> uh and also, then, it's yeah. a tight end it's a tight end against a uh say uh, a secondary Safety. player so yeah. you know uh, the size difference is a bit 
yeah, yeah it, there, it, there, you there is also that. Re- that, that why he was hitting and... the floor, not going up in the air. You know, yeah. that's <laughs> you know that there is that to it. But I found it. You know, I don't think he'll ever get the sort of props because it doesn't look anywhere near as flashy. But it was a yeah. very good catch. Uh, and then for gaff of the week. The Baltimore Ravens look like they're not going to punt on fourth and two, right? They look like they're going to rush pretty much their entire line. Uh, They sub out about three or four times. The Browns do the same. The Browns have got 12 players on the field. Now, the Browns call timeout because of this. They come back out. You know, you sip your beer. You think it's okay now. They actually look like they're going to punt this time. No, they go back to it and cause even more, more issues. And then a flag comes on the field and you think, yes, the Ravens have done some sort of illegal formation. Oh, no. Oh, no. Twelve men on the field. Cleveland. <laughs> Twice. What? <laughs> what? I that didn't know me... you were going to say that one when, yeah. I, when, I, when I saw it. Yeah. That to me was that, that to me was when the momentum shifted for sure. You know, there were other signs, but that was when momentum shifted for sure for me. That was definitely gaff of the week. Um yeah, I, I can't look past that personally. Does anybody yeah. else have anything else to throw in here before I call time on the pod? Uh, two two quick ones. One, um, Kirk Cousins lining up under the guard. For, oh, yeah. Um, oh, yes. On the fourth down. That's only an extra big gap because in uni, that happened to us as well against <laughs> the team we played. And they actually snapped it. And our, our oh, no. Yeah, our defensive end recovered it lateraled it and we scored a touchdown so it just gave me good memories of that so that was a gaffe uh, and for player of the week this is one for everyone to google who listens but uh, everyone google Mike Zimmer's girlfriend I'm just going to leave it at that that's player of the week I'll, I'll so just was that of... under player of the week yeah yeah that's under player of the week uh, gaffe of okay, the week I'll for me because to... I'm going to move this straight on <laughs> um we, I saw in the article about Dan Campbell's uh, self-inflicted errors oh, yeah. uh, being their preferred method of suicide uh, this week <laughs> rather than just jumping off a cliff. Uh, but trying to call back-to-back timeouts. Oh, yeah. Just what the hell are yeah. you doing? Cost you the game. Exactly. Yeah. And we could say that, oh, the, you know, the Lions, they fight every week and they're biting kneecaps and, yeah, they're talent poor, but they're playing for the coach and they've got a chance every week. But now it's just in the realms of horrific coaching yeah and uh, that whole final couple of minutes for detroit was just emblematic of a really really bad season and that gaff really just was the god off icing on the cake oh in i tell you what then, a question to end it out and i like that we're ending on the lions because they are bottom of the tree um, we still talking about the damn detroit lions yes and we will continue <laughs> to do so you're talking to a browns fan that found that everyone talked about the browns because they were terrible um <laughs> does dan campbell provide a overall positive or overall negative effect to this lions team because the lions are terrible they should not be in any of these games yet they are you know you could say that a better coach would would turn some of these losses into wins, but would they? I'd say maybe negative just because he hired Anthony Lynn as his offensive coordinator. (laughs) And his his defensive coordinator is also a first-time DC uh, player, I think. Uh, And they've been terrible at play calling this year. So I think overall, I think he's fine. He'll get another year, but they need a new DC and OC if he wants to be successful. He's more of a motivator than a coach uh, to me. And he needs more steady hands behind him for want of a better phrase so 
Yeah, I'm on the same same boat as you, Liam. Right, and folks, thanks very much for being uh, part of this, and I look forward to us talking about the games on Thursday. Thanks, everyone out there for listening. We will be back, like I say, on Thursday to preview all of the games for week 13, definitely getting to the meat and veg part of the season. Um, only a few weeks left now, chaps, before the regular season is done and dust. We're in December. We're in December. We're able to talk Christmas soon. Scary. Yeah. So, um, yeah, look, looking forward to talking to you guys then. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will be back Thursday. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to find us on all our social channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. Head over to our website, full10yards.com, where you can find out more information about why we are hashtag for the game.